Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Hey, Wild Black family. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to tell you about a dope new book from Amistad Books and HarperCollins. It's called Diamond Doris and the Memoirs of Doris Payne. It's based on the question, how did a young black woman from West Virginia in the 1930s turn into one of the world's most notorious jewel thieves? Diamond Doris, the memoir of Doris Payne, details her path from a segregated coal town through six decades of stealing from elite jewelers to live her dreams. Soon to be made into a major motion picture, Diamond Doris is available now from Amistad Books and wherever books are sold. But how dare you stand next to me in the same uniform and murder somebody? How dare you? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So why don't we just keep it real? If you're that officer, then no good and well you got a God complex. You're afraid of people that don't look like you. You have no business in that uniform. Take it off. If you're afraid to go and talk to an African-American female or a male or a Mexican male or female then because they're not white like you, take the uniform off. You have no business being a police officer. Because there's many of us that would give our life for anybody. And we took this oath and we meant it. If you are that officer that's prejudiced, Take the uniform off and put the KKK hoodie on. Welcome to Wild Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, welcome back. Y'all know how we do. It's been it's been a rough little time. And um, today we have <laughs> got... 2020. Right, man. That's You're right. The whole damn the year, whole year has been crazy. Yeah. We got an episode for you all today that I'm honestly so excited about. It's... um. With someone I've been wanting to sit down and chat with for a while just because of the stance that she was willing to take, what she was willing to sacrifice for what we're trying to achieve out here, what she was willing to say, and how much she really put herself at risk for our benefit. So I'm not going to keep you in the dark long at all, but today we're going to talk about police brutality, police reform, what it is to be a black female police officer in this country, dealing with the things that we deal with on a daily basis. And what I want to do first is I'm going to introduce you to her, and then I'm going to reintroduce you to some of her words from a few years back. Today, we've got Officer Nakaya Jones with us. Nakaya grew and changed from a police officer in 1996 to a viral sensation in 2016 to an author in 2018. She broke mold and spoke her feelings on policing with integrity and care in reaction to seeing the videos of Alton Sterling being murdered in 2016. And since that day, she's maintained her journey for justice. Officer Jones wants to leave a positive mark on the world. She believes that if you want change, it starts with the person you look at every day in the mirror. If you want change, you must be that change. Nakaya, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you both so much. So I'm going to play just a few moments of your viral video from a few years back, and then I'd love for you to come behind it and just tell the people a little bit more about yourself. If you are white and you work I got in the white community it. and you are racist, you need to be ashamed of yourself. You stood up there and took an oath. If this is not where you want to work at, then you need to take your behind somewhere else. I decided to work in the African-American community because I'm African. 
African-American and I wanted to make a difference. I'm a double minority. They would have got two hits for me because I'm African-American and I'm a female. I'm here because I wanted to make a difference. But how dare you stand next to me in the same uniform and murder somebody? How dare you? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So why don't we just keep it real? If you're that officer that know good and well you got a God complex, you're afraid of people that don't look like you, you have no business in that uniform. Take it off. If you're afraid to go and talk to an African-American female or a male or a Mexican male or female they, because they're not white like you, take the uniform off. You have no business being a police officer. Because there's many of us that will give our life for anybody. And we took this oath and we meant it. If you are that officer that's prejudiced, take the uniform off and put the KKK hoodie on. Because I will not stand for that. If you're an officer that works with me and you're wrong, I will tell you you're wrong. My heart goes out to that young man's family because if it was my son, I don't know what I would do. I am my brother and my sister's keeper. That's why I'm going to keep this uniform on. Because today I wanted to quit when I saw that video. But I need for y'all to support the ones of us that are right. And I need for you to stand for those of us that are, that are not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... Just let the people hear that for a moment. Yeah. Nakaya, that was... That was a powerful video for me to watch. And, and, and to know that it came from inside, from behind the blue line. was it, it meant a lot to me. It still means a lot to me because we spend a lot of time talking about what a good police person is, what a good police officer is. And, and to me, that was an example that we all needed to see in order to find any aspect of hope to keep believing that there's a better way and a better future for tomorrow. So for me to you, thank you so much, sister, for what you did and what you said. Yeah. I, I knew I had recognized you from somewhere, and I was like, that's where. <laughs> wow. Yes. That, man, I, I have to give you, man, props and appreciation for that, too. That that was far more powerful than than maybe the world knew at the time, especially right. now. Had we, had we heeded her words, yep. where might we be today, right? <laughs> so, Nakaya, I, I, want, I want you to take a few moments and... Just tell the people a little bit more about you. What are you doing? How are you continuing your fight for justice? And then we'll jump back into the interview. But I truly want people to know what else is going on with you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I do a segment on Facebook um, on the Real Officer Nakia Jones page. Please follow me there. Um, I always, every Wednesday at 8 p.m., we tackle um, subjects that are impacting our world, all of us, especially African-Americans. It, right. it, it's important. I believe that without truth, you'll never have justice. And mm. without justice, you'll never have peace. That's just, it's, it's that. real. So um, we try to put the truth out there. Um, mm. The other thing, we also do have a podcast, is Voices of Vision as well. It's the same, so you can listen to it or you can watch it. Right. And we allow us that have not had a voice. You know, a lot right. of times there are stories that are untold. Right. Um, I'm working on my second book. Right. And it's amazing. It's, it's taking me back, y'all. But in part of my book, in the beginning of my book, I talk about how I felt like I was drowning. And as I was drowning, I was going through this, this body of water and I see all these spirits, dead men and women, and they're saying, who's going to be our voice? Mm. Are you going to be the voice for those of us that never had a voice? For those of us that have died and there's no camera, there's no, I need to know, will you be that voice? Right. And that was part of me coming up with Bridging the Gap. I had no idea when I said I wanted to be in 2016, I wanted to bridge the gap between the community and law enforcement, how hard that was going to be. Number one, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, when I was on his show, he said, Nakia, do you know what a bridge is, is used for? I said, yes, bringing people together. He said, no, but it's also used to be trampled upon spit upon, mm. disrespected. He was like, and sometimes it's like it's falling apart. He said, but the bridge is so much so powerful because you're right, it brings people together. Mm. And I had no idea that after, um, and it actually, the, the interview was today, in 2018. Mm. This is very weird, and now I'm here today. <laughs> so this is a blessing to me, and I thank you both so very much for giving me this platform. We appreciate um, you. I had no idea that a few months later, I would lose my job. Right. Um, it was rough. I know it had to be. 
I remember now people asking me, would you do it again? And honestly, that's a hard question to ask someone when you have a family, when you mm. built a house from the ground up, you know, when you are a product of welfare. Yeah. See, there, there's things that people don't know. My mother was a welfare recipient. Right. So I get what it was like. I knew what it was like to live in the hood. I didn't grow up in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So me making a stance and saying, I don't want to be on welfare. I want better for me and my children. I don't want to, to allow others to write a narrative for my life. I'm going to write my own narrative. Mm, say that. Um, so yeah. it was hard when they said, you're about to lose your job. And knowing that after I spoke out, a lot of people didn't know I was getting threatening messages in my mailbox from within my department. Mm -hmm. So these were officers putting these these mail these uh, letters in my mailbox. One of them told me, get back on welfare, go dance in the street with the cooties. Number one, black folks don't say cooties. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right. We might say go dance with the N-word or, right. or something crazy, but we don't say cootie. So I knew um, you are a disgrace. I mean, it was just so derogatory. I needed a bullet to the back of my head. And these are the yeah, same that's men. That's the one that got me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. These were the same men that when I tell you, good off. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sir, I was a good officer. Not perfect, but very good officer. I'm talking about if you run into the fire, as big as you are, I'm running right beside you. You ain't got to worry about it. I got your back. If we going to get a whooping, we going to get a whooping together. But in the same token, I know the people that I labor amongst. I lived in every last one of my communities I served. I lived in the community because it kept my integrity intact, yeah. which means that I could see your family at any given time out of uniform. My children go to school with your children. Mm. So at a certain point, it's a certain respect we have. I've run into many people I had arrested and never had an incident. You are vested in the community. You are yeah. a member of the community. Yes. And that is the community taking care of the community. Exactly. Yeah. That's what police should look like. And yeah. that, say that again, because yeah. I feel like, how can I serve a community that I have no idea? How can I be a community police officer when I have no right. idea what this community needs? Right. You can't police. Mm -hmm. You're a stranger if you're not there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So um, in doing that, I think that it made me a better law enforcement officer because right. I really got to feel the, the the energy of the community and what they needed right. and what I needed from them because they gave so much to me as well. Right. I love serving. I loved it. I did it off duty. People didn't know I've taken many children shopping because their parents couldn't afford their clothes. Mm -hmm. I went to houses where it was domestics with the parents and the and the and the and, and the children and off duty. In my regular clothes, I felt that comfortable. Never had an incident. Mm. So for me to lose my job and for them to spin the narrative and say, we fired her because she was taking speaking engagements while she was out on sick leave, FMLA, and she was fired for sick time abuse. Number one, anybody that's a police officer know our union is tight. Yeah. I've never been written up for sick time right. abuse. My, If you can pull my file to this day, it's impeccable. No way my first-time officer would have been fired. That's number one. So right. anybody that knows anything knows it's a mess. Number two, I was out on workers' compensation. I had just gotten to a bad car accident. The car was totaled. Right. The thing I think that hurt me the most, though, um, in thinking about my accident was knowing that my mayor said, I saw the accident. I drove right past it, and I didn't even know it was an accident. I can show you the pictures of this car. There's no way that he would know. So it made me feel like you were really after me, and he's a brother. Mm. He used to folk. play for the Chicago Bulls. Ain't kin folk. Mm. He's, he's a, he's a brother. Example. Hey, wild black listeners. I know we're having a great conversation today. I want to break and give you a quick word from one of our sponsors. Listen, y'all, the presidential election is coming up soon, and I don't have to tell you what's at stake. I don't have to tell you how important it is, but what I can tell you is if we don't pay attention to our history, well, you know the rest. And that's why what I'm about to tell you is so important. I want you to check out a new podcast. It's called 6020, The Election of 1960, and it's Echoes Today. 
and it tells the story of the Kennedy campaign and how it influenced American campaigns since. The series covers the 1960 campaign from the primaries through election night, highlighting key moments and lesser-known stories in the race leading up to the final vote, and how JFK and his team worked to win over black voters who were skeptical of his commitment to civil rights. Sounds kind of familiar, right? 6020 also gives listeners a sense of what was happening in America during this pivotal time as sit-ins and other demonstrations against racial segregation swept through the country. Again, something that should sound really familiar. I can't stress to you enough the importance of understanding our history and where we've been. So go listen to 6020, the election of 1960 and its echoes today, wherever you listen to your podcast at. And now let's get back to our episode. Look, before we get too deep mm. off into this, I want to make sure that we get to our wild black shit. Even though we we already nice and loose and open right? up and having a good conversation. <laughs> she don't need it at all. We're just going to give it to the listeners now. Right, right. So look, wild black shit is three questions. Two questions is just warming you up, but the third question is our signature oh, question that we okay. ask everybody. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Black folks love community get-togethers, food, games. And so when the community gets together, what are the most prominent black folks' games we play? Give us three of them. Spades. Oh. You know that's it. I'm the architect of spades. <laughs> you know, Lord, he architect. Uh, dominoes. Dominoes, yes. Let me think of my lap. My parents play Big Wiz. I'm mad because I, I don't know how to play Big Wiz, but I need to learn, for mm-hmm. real. Because Big Wiz is a big one. That's yes. the one. Those, yes. those are my three. Yep, they're my three, too. Those are my three. <laughs> <laughs> Hopscotch, horseshoes. Yes. Ain't, no, ain't none of that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> three we play. play. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's that new game, folks? People, you throw the little beanbag thing in the hole that people always cornhole or something. That ain't I new. I can't. But it, it's new for me. Like I can't get with it. I, I'm bid with that is spades. A, I, that's yes. my world. Me too. I, I, like the the hop. Th- I don't even know. See, we don't know what it's called. Yeah, because yeah. we don't play that. <laughs> exactly. If if we if if we are playing that, that's brand new. That's some 2020. If we are playing it, we probably code switching and we had a work function. Correct. <laughs> yes. Correct. Or yes. a tailgate that right. we had. We saw somebody like, oh, that's what y'all do? Okay. Right. All right. Question two. You have experience as a Leo and, of course, are a black woman. So given both experiences, which hashtag murder has been the most difficult for you and why? You know what? And I know this is going to sound a little odd. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. You know, let me tell you, let me tell you yeah, why. Because I can't, yeah. I can't, it's been so many that impact me. But Black yeah. Lives Matter bothers me so much because we even have to have a hashtag. Yeah, I feel what that. race of people do you know that have to have a hashtag mm. to let not only other races know, but our own know that yep. our lives matter? Mm-hmm. So, and to me, that encompasses uh, Austin Sterling, Castile, George Floyd, it can it, it, uh, Chandra, yeah. everybody. So I would say, honestly, hashtag Black Lives Matter. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. And I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. How, how bad is it that we have to tell you and us that we matter and then we have to fight for the right to say it? It look, just matter, though. Right. Not as, like, exceptional. We are just amazing at everything. It's just, hey, we matter. Michael Vick went to jail for fighting dogs. Yeah. A dog matters more. That's true. In some people's eyes. Yeah. Which is absolutely insane. That second question, man, that was a that was a that was a different kind of question. That was was. was. was was good. Yeah. Yeah. Normally the first two are just like are are fun, kind of funny, but I wanted your perspective on that. That's a good one. Our third signature question, Uh or our third and signature question. What do you love most about life while black? We're so beautiful, man. We're so unique. When I tell you, you can get yeah. dark to the lightest of skin, from mm-hmm. the straightest mm-hmm. hair to the kinkiest hair. We have so much rhythm and soul. Everybody has bitten off of us. Trust me, we were the inventors. We mm. were the original kings and queens, if you really read, read your, your Bible and know how to really study it in the Holy Quran. And I, I mean, I read everything. I'm, I'm very into, I don't do separations of religion. I believe in all of it. Right. But we were kings and queens, and that's who we are today. Still. And I feel like we are rising to that again. It's like like, it feels good to see my eight-year-old tell me I'm a queen. Yeah. You bow to me. I said, I know that's right. So it's it's just 
We are amazing. We, we, oh God, if we only knew our own potential. Say that. If mm. we only knew. I think that's what it is. It's just, yeah. uh, it make you feel good, the power. And one thing I wanted to say, add to that, Atlanta, y'all the truth. Hey, that, I, that I is the truth. Y'all the truth. I'm not going to lie. The energy is different. People not here do not get it. They do not understand. They do not quite capture When you move through yes. these streets, you feel, you, you you feel, feel it. it. Like, <laughs> the energy different. Yes. It's like it's amplified yes. if you black. That's oh, real yeah. talk. Uh, Listeners, uh, we mean that every bit of it. Oh. Atlanta yes. is, is magnificent for yes. us. I know we joked about it being Wakanda. But, but it hey. really, <laughs> they said it's the black Mecca. I'm trying to When tell I tell you. you, even when I'm in the airspace, y'all, yep. I can feel it when I hit Atlanta. Mm-hmm. When I put my feet down here, it was, ooh, it, ooh, it was weird. But my great-grandmother grew, on, grew up on a plantation in Macon, Georgia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I went to Macon, Georgia last month with my best friend, and God said, take your feet off. You need to honor this ground. I take my, I mean, take my shoes off and my socks. So I took my shoes off, my socks, put it on that ground, y'all. Ugh. Mm-hmm. The energy was crazy. I, I love Atlanta. And y'all, the truth, y'all will come out. <laughs> All right, so after yeah. Wild Black Shit, we, we go into what we call our dope quote. And the dope quote is something... Uh, very often from the mouth of someone black, it comes out of theology, religion, history, politics, science, entertainment, but it's applicable to the topic that we're discussing today. And so I want to share today's and get your thoughts on it. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. And that is by Mr. Barack Obama. When you hear that, what comes to mind for you? Be the change you want to see. Figured that's for you. I remember he hearing you say you that. You want to see? I always and and pre- let me tell you about him. I met him. Oh. I got pictures with him. Yes, um, I met him when he did the bridging the gap. He was trying to put pull uh, police officers, and um, I remember uh, there were other few people that were there. I think uh, uh, Eric Garner's sister was there mm-hmm. before she passed. I remember her hearing her scream, and she's like, "You don't understand what they did." But when I tell you, he has so much poise, y'all. They was coming for him. And he just turned around and said, no, I don't think so. I mean, he was so disciplined. I was amazed. And then he told my husband, he said, you have an exceptional wife. She reminds me of of Michelle. I was passed out. Because, you know, I (laughs) love her. I was like, that's my first lady. So I really feel like what he's saying is, wake up, y'all. See who Mm -hmm. you are. See the power that we have. Just like I tell about voting. They keep saying that our black votes don't matter. Why do you think they keep pushing so hard for us to vote? Remember, we voted President Barack Obama in. That's right. You think about numbers. it. Overwhelming numbers. So don't get, get it Twice. twisted. The black voters are going to put whoever's in presidency in or out this mm-hmm. year. It's up to us. We, we, we're the decision makers. All right. So listen, I want to hit us with a couple of stats and then jump into some of these questions. So an August 2019 study published by the National Academy of Science pushed the following facts on police shooting that occurred between 2013 and 2018. From that study, black men have a 1 in 1,000 chance of dying at the hands of police. Black men are about two and a half times more likely than white men to be killed by police versus Latino men who are only 1.3 times more likely to be killed. At the same time, black women are 1.4 times more likely to be killed than white women, while Latino women are between 12 and 23% less likely to be killed than white women. This last part is really interesting, so I'm going to read it in full. It's not long, but bear with me. A massive study published in May of 2020 of 95 million traffic stops by 56 police agencies between 2011 and 2018 found that while black people were much more likely to be pulled over than whites, the disparity lessened at night when police are less able to distinguish the race of the driver. The study also found that blacks are more likely to be searched after a stop, although whites were more likely to be found with illicit drugs. The darker the sky the less pronounced the disparity between white and black motorists. What do you think when, when you hear those kind of stats come out? It's a reality check. It is. It's a reality it check. Is. It's, it's, so it's going on much more than what we think. It is. We, we have been lucky to get some of them recorded, but the, yep. the reality there is it's probably still fractional. Correct. Right? We are only getting a glimpse into in, what's really In a very really small happening. window of time. Man, that's crazy. We're only talking about a few years. That's crazy. So, like, understanding those stats, this first question I want to ask you is is really, it's about me. I want to have some hope. But 
I don't believe, or at least I don't want to believe, that all of these hashtag murders are are, fo- are done by folks who truly want us gone, right? I, every every part of my soul does not want to believe that all these folks that we see getting killed by the police are being murdered by people who just want to eradicate us as a race. But it's also really hard to believe that all these murders of unarmed black men and women are truly coincidental. So the big question is, why do you think it is that we're being murdered by the hands of police in the rates and ways that we are? Honestly, uh, one of the major reasons is because you have officers that are not from the community. If mm-hmm. I've grown up in the suburbs, way over here, I don't, I've never dealt with blacks. I've never, only thing I know is about what my family said. And they may be saying, oh, those N-words or, or whatever this, they're horrible people. And then I'm watching TV because y'all be surprised. TV does write a narrative mm-hmm. for people that don't know. So now they're thinking how violent, and of course, what you see on the news, black-on-black crime again. They were shooting at each other. So in their mind, they're thinking we are savages. Mm. So now you get these officers that come into our communities to police us. They forget about the servitude because, remember, I can't serve anybody I don't respect. Mm. Before they got on the job, they did not respect us. What happens is when that dark skin or light skin, black male or female gets in that uniform, I tolerate you. Mm. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. You're not like Mm. them. I tolerate you, but don't get out of line. Because it's a divide within the departments as well. Don't ever get it twisted. So I don't understand why us as black officers act like it's a shock. Oh, my God, racism. No, there's a divide in every single police department. I can promise you that somewhere. Mm. Whether it be men and women, black and white, you know, it's, it's a divide there. So you get these officers in the community and then you give them a, what could I call it? A, a, a go-to phrase. Right. I was in fear for my life. Mm. But you don't define it. So I could say right now I'm in fear for my life. I could honestly be for real. And you'd be like, she in fear for what? Instead of saying, no, if a normal, prudent person would say I would be in fear for my life, then you can use that as an excuse. Right. But if mm. I'm an unarmed black woman and I'm dealing with you and I ain't put my weapon on you, but I got a seven-foot-tall white male behind me that got his gun out, I got a problem with right. that. Right. But understand, I understand I'm from the community. I get it that African-Americans talk with their hands. I get it that we can be loud at times because we're passionate people. Right. I get it that, honestly, if somebody really wants to kill you and hurt you, they don't just sit and wait. They come out like that. You, right. you know it. You, you, it's just you feel it. So I believe that a lot of them, because they don't understand us, and, and they get into this God complex, so they want to control the situation. I want to control it when they turn around and say, we're taught to de-escalate. I know y'all have heard that a lot. Yeah. You're not de-escalating anything. What it is, you want to control the situation. So when I tell you, sit down on that curve, and you're like, man, it's wet out here. I don't think this is a human being I'm talking to. I don't need yeah. this man to sit on the curb. I've checked him. I've checked his car. There's nothing in there. How come I can't let him sit back in his car? If I'm afraid he's going to take off, I can take his keys. But right, I want to humiliate right, right. you and I want to demean you so that you will give me a reason to be in fear for my life. So if you mm. start arguing with me, the first thing I'm going to think about is disorderly conduct. And then, of course, I'm going to keep on being demeaning towards you. I say, sit down, shut up, and you get angrier and more angrier. And now, once you become aggressive, now I was in fear for my life. Now, I've given you a reason. I've given you a reason. Mm. And we all have to think about, that's why I tell us, I Mm. understand we get upset. 
when we're disrespected, don't no man or woman want to be. I don't care what color or race you are. Right. Nobody. Right. Well, I'm a grown person. You can talk to me with respect. That's why I said you can arrest somebody with respect and dignity. Absolutely. I don't have to demean you. Right. When you're a good officer, a good law enforcement officer, though, is one that don't have to arrest you but can affect change. Mm. Correct. Those are the best mm. kind. I that like goes that. into the community and they they volunteer in the community. They go to, I know this young man has some issues and I know I can see he's going down the wrong path because I was him. Right. Or I know somebody, so let me get and put him under my wing and say, what you doing, man? Come on, let me talk to you. But now what happened with policing, policing has become politics and making money. Right. So my stats, if I arrest a lot of people or if I'm, or if I'm writing a lot of tickets, guess what? I get promoted. So guess what happened? I'm trying, if this is my last, I just need one more arrest for the day. Whatever I can find out to arrest you for, that's what I'll do. Mm. You understand what I mean? Oh, I'm going to write wow. this ticket. And some of the tickets can be bogus instead of saying, I'm going to promote you based on your integrity. What does the community think about you? Mm. How do you yeah. interact with the community? How, how are you being incentivized as a police officer? <laughs> exactly. So right. I think the that... The people you serve actually determine if you get promoted And I think that's not. a big point. And I think that that's that something is. that we need to change to. Instead of hiring, instead of promoting all the... Well, he got 100 arrests, but how many of his arrests is legal? Mm. He just know how to work the system. He know how the system is worded because the system is not worded for us. Right. That's why we have to get in a, into a position where we can affect change to the laws. That's why it's important to vote on your 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 mayors, your council. You, that, it's very important because those are the ones that are going to deal with your city ordinances. We need to learn our city ordinances. A lot of us don't know that. Just like a lot of people mm -hmm. didn't know that an officer does not have to tell you why they pulled you over. I just shook y'all. Every time I do it, I did it on um, Cop Watch on a city show, and I told them that we do not, by law, have to tell you why we pulled you over I unless no I give you a citation. So I bait you. So all those people saying, officer, why did you pull me over, getting aggravated, we're being set up with that type It's of a stuff. bait question because if you're already frustrated, you're tired, you're coming home from work, something might have agitated you today, and you the first thing, what you pull me over for? Let me see a driver's license proof of insurance. What you pull me over for, man? See, this is what I'm talking. And now yeah. it gets out of hand. It starts mm. getting out of hand. Now the officer's calling for backup. Now as soon as you get people out listening <sighs> to what's going on, guess what? It's disorderly conduct. <laughs> and now they can say, right, or they could, or honestly, they shouldn't be arresting anybody. Though what they could say is impeding my investigation. You, you, you disabled me from doing my job. That's why I tell them, just give me your driver's license, proof of insurance. Don't argue. Keep your hands where they can see them at all mm -hmm. times because if I can see your hands, you are not a threat. Mm. Period. I don't care how loud you get. I don't care what you do. You're not a threat unless you have some kind of powers that I don't know about. Right. Keep your hands right. where you can see them. Unless you get X-Man. Right. <laughs> right. Be respectful and don't even ask the question unless they, like, I always offered, the, offered it. I, do you know why I pulled you over, sir? No. Well, you did da 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 well, I didn't, sir. This is not the place for us to argue. If I decide to give you a citation, you can meet me in court and we can debate it there. And most of the time, if you were courteous to me, have a good day, sir. Just yeah. slow down for me. Like that brings up something yeah. for me. You know, right, right now, you, you see culture, and, and not just black culture, but culture in general, in this place where we begin to bark back at police and we begin to assert our knowledge and our rights. And, and I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong because Lord knows I feel it myself sometimes. Ask someone who's coming from that side, understanding that at the end of the day, our mission is, or at least should be, to survive the interaction. And get home. Right. What do you advise? Because, I mean, granted, I want to yell, I know my rights, and yada, yada, yada. But what do you advise when the goal is to stay alive? Right. At, at this point, you all listen. When they pull you over... I always tell people, turn on your interior lights because they can see, we can see very well in your car then. Mm -hmm. If for some weird reason you have a CCW permit or if you're even carry open carry here, right. you can do that. Let that officer know how you doing, sir. Here's my driver's license. Here's my proof of insurance. I do have a carry concealed permit. This is where my weapon is or I do have a carry concealed permit, but my weapon is at, at home because when we run your plate, we can see uh -huh. that you have a carry concealed permit. And if I haven't mm -hmm. told and you, the, now you're wondering, is and, that gun in the car? And the But the law says if you, it, well, in Ohio, I don't know how you all's carry concealed is, but okay. in Ohio, you have to do a class. And in that class, it tells you whether your weapon is on you or not, you have to inform the officer. Otherwise, it is a felony. Mm. Got to pay attention. Things that we even don't have. It's not it's a felony? If, yes, it is. We can act, actually, what can end up happening is Damn. what they may do is, 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 uh, 
not give you give you a misdemeanor, but they can strip you from your CCW permit just because you didn't tell. Even so it's, if it's at home, even locked at, up even in your it's at closet, home, you're supposed to let them know. Hey, I have a CCW oh, permit, man. but my weapon is not on me, and it keeps you safe because right. if you don't say it, now he's looking. Yeah, now he's wondering. And he's, where he's that wondering gun? Where, where is it a gun in here? So if you tell him immediately, hi, my name is such and such. Here's my driver's proof of insurance, officer. Um, I do have a CCW. I don't have my weapon on me, or this is an open carry. I do have my weapon on my side. Blah 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 blah. I'll keep my hands. You know, you try to be as polite as possible. Don't allow them to write the narrative for you because they mm, want to. Some officers want to pull you out off your square. They want you to start acting crazy. And you also got to remember in this climate, unfortunately, is. Black lives versus blue lives matter. Yeah. So their mentality when they see you is, oh, here we go with this. Especially if you're a vocal person to say, why are you pulling me over? <laughs> oh, here we go, here he go. Blue lives matter. You know, when mm. I totally disagree with that because there's no such a thing as a blue life. I don't, right. I've never seen blue people except the Smurfs. That's, right. a, that's a job. It's a profession. It's a job <laughs> and it's a choice. Mm-hmm. We don't have a choice to get out of our skin. And not only that, I feel like officers that stand behind that, you are disrespectful and you're disgraceful because you have black men and women working side by side with you. And when mm. you stand in those uh, uh, squad rooms or you out there yelling, I'm sick of hearing about Black Lives Matter, are you telling us mm. that out of that uniform, our lives don't matter, but we're out here putting our life on the line for you as well? Mm. So I got an issue with that. Mm. So you you always want to just maintain, be as respectful as possible. If you can, I, I even encourage, and I, you know, I don't like to promote Amazon, but Amazon has some nice inside car cameras that come on. I just ordered mine that you ain't even got to pick up your cell phone. And it records, and it records to a place to where where even if they they can't stop it, it's recording. You have to let me know because I've been thinking about those. You got to let me know which yes. ones you got so I can go get. Yes, that. I'm <laughs> telling you. I think <laughs> at this point you got to protect yourself. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. we all know that on, in this climate, a lot of people feel like police officers' voice is God. When now we're starting to realize that they're doing just as much dirty stuff. They're they're falsifying police reports. The mm-hmm. thing that happened with Breonna Taylor. That's crazy. By the way, How- listeners, I'll, I'll throw that link in the in the episode description because I know you wonder what cameras we're talking about too. I got you covered. Don't worry. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> and it, and and honestly, it's not expensive. Yeah. Just like you got life life insurance, you need to get one of those in your car, especially if you are a black man or black woman, or if you have younger sons and daughters that are starting to drive. It's just, it's a protection for both. It's a protection right. for them as right. well as law enforcement. Right. Right. Just put it in their car. They ain't got to fiddle with their phone because I don't want that. You just shot me because I got my phone in my hand. You thought it was a gun. That This phone don't look nothing like no gun. Right. But but in many cases, you'd be surprised how we get FBI, you know, uh, things that'll come up and say, hey, did you know they have a new phone that looks like a gun? Yeah. What? And it yeah. puts officers on edge. So now that I got a right to shoot you because we saw something. Look, no, put your little camera up there on your car. It automatically comes on. You just push the little thing and it's on and it records. Yeah, give me one of those. Yeah. But one of the one of the things yeah. you kind of introduced was like the the backlash you got inside the department. Mm-hmm. The letters, the, the mayor driving by, mm-hmm. you know, your your supervisor not supporting you the way he should. So it introduces this kind of this theme of good cop, bad cop. So in, in your perspective, what is a good cop? I will say this. There's no such a thing as a perfect cop. Right. And I think that if we stop as a society and That's stop right, putting officers perf- on a pedestal people, so. and realize that they're people, we're not G.I. Joes, we're not, right. we have the same problems. A lot of officers have domestic violence issues. They dealing with money issues. They dealing with drinking. Some of them are using drugs. You have everything that y'all go through, we go through. Right. So, um... My, I think my, if I had to describe a good cop, it would be somebody that really stands on their integrity and their integrity is intact with their moral standards and their moral standards have to be on point. If you don't have, honestly, and if you don't have a faith base, I don't care who you believe in, Jehovah, Allah, whatever makes you a better man or woman, Jesus, whatever, you have got to be strong in that because law enforcement officers, we walk into some dark places, y'all. Some things that y'all have never, some things that that I've seen in my life still haunt me. Mm. But we also are tempted every day where you can cross the line just like that. And once you cross that line, it seems like it dry, it pulls you down a slippery slope. So if your moral compass is on, on point and your integrity is on point and you really are there and you understand that, yes, I'm here to protect this community, but I'm not only here to protect the community from the people that are in the community or who will come outside the community, I may have to protect the community from some of the ones that wear the same uniform I wear. Mm. Can you stand on that? Mm. 
And that's a question I think should be put in every oath. If you have to protect the community from some, from your own brother or sister in blue, wow. will you stand on that? And I think that that makes a good officer. The other big thing is servitude. Can you serve? Right. Many of us don't look at serve. If you look at some of the police cars, they took and serve off. It just says protect. Really? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know yes, that. There are some some police cars that you say serve. It doesn't says protect. So where's mm. the servitude? Servitude means I'm humble. Servitude means I meet you where you are. Right. Servitude means it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, if you're homeless, it means I serve you. That's what I'm there to make sure you are all right. Even if I have to protect you from yourself, if I got to get you somewhere to get you some help, if I see a homeless person out there and they need they need a coat, I should be as a law enforcement officer trying to find somewhere to get them a coat. A lot of times we ride right past them. When I see a mother in need and I go in the house and her lights are off, I should be going in there trying to figure out some type of services I can get to her. That's mm. what serving is. But we have now come to this God complex. We don't serve anymore. That humility is out of the way and we become prideful. So, of course, if somebody that's, that's into servitude, that's humble, integrity is on in point, their faith base is on point, and they understand, I'm here to protect you, not from just your community and others on the outside. I may have to protect you from my own. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I absolutely. think that that's a good officer. Honestly, mm. an officer that says, if I ever cross this or feel like I'm across these boundaries, I'm going to go ahead and put that badge out and walk that. away. I love that. I love that. So we hear all the time that there are more good officers than bad officers, right? You, you hear that a that, lot. That's a, that's a saying. Right. So my question to that, because I don't know enough to say if that's true or not, but what I do see is that there seems to be a culture inside of the police force that doesn't support nor allow those good officers to speak their mind or support the activities, that, or I shouldn't say support, or denounce the activities of those bad officers. Mm -hmm. And when you see a culture that shifts that way, it makes me wonder, are there truly more good officers than bad officers? Mm -hmm. And if there are, what's stopping the good officers from becoming more prominent, from their behavior becoming the norm, from their culture overtaking the department? What, what is the issue there? What's happening inside the police department? Um, I'll say this. If it looks like a duck, it quack like a duck, it's probably a duck. Um, you know, we all know that policing was built on something negative, the slave, slave patrol. patrols, right. Yeah. So, and and it's sad because in my book, I actually have the 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 oath that they take. It's mm -hmm. going to blow y'all mind. Book while we're talking about so they can go get I it haven't, too. I haven't, oh, my, my first book is The Truth Divided. Oh, you're my talking about your new book, book, got it. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm still working on the We'll bring it to you when, when we got it ready. Don't worry, it's we got It's going to be fire. But it's in that second book that I'm writing. I had to do research and, and realize they took an oath too. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And how similar it is. And it talked about we will hunt down slaves no matter mm. what is in, in as much of discretion as we can. We will bring them to, I mean, justice and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking... That's what they're doing right now. They're hunting blacks down and finding mm. stuff on them. It doesn't make it. It's really crazy. And I'm looking at this. And I'm saying, this this is the issue right here. We need to. I don't know whether they need to change the the wording of police departments or change what they're called. I, I I'm not sure, but I feel like that negative stigma is there. But let me tell you something that's so interesting. As a black officer, if you allow yourself to get so consumed in the city that you're that you're patrolling and you never see a positive image in your community, what happens is you have black officers that are looking, I'm not them. I, I don't act like that. Me and my family don't act like that. So now what happens is I don't even identify myself as black. Yeah. You hear what mm, I'm saying? So yep. how can I have compassion for you? Yep. You understand what I mean? So then what happens is I get connected with these white males that have that same thought pattern, all these, you know, N-words and look how nasty they are. And I start to, yeah, you're right. And I'm not understanding that every time I disrespect mm. you, I disrespect myself. Right. Because mm. they, they look at me the same, same exact way. way. You're just a special. I'm one. just special right now. Yeah. Right. Like, like wow. the slave patrol when they had some of the black slaves catching us. You understand that most of the time when the slaves would get away, they didn't catch us. The whites didn't catch us because they didn't know how we thought. They got black slaves to catch us because they knew how we thought. 
attention to this. And they could move, they could maneuver and they could blend in. And that's how they use some black officers today. Mm. It's just, this is all the way real. Wow. Um, I also think that a lot of officers that do want to step up know that, number one, if you're in a big department, you might lose your life. They will kill you. Jesus. It's that real. It's, when they say that policing is one of the biggest gangs in the world, yeah, they taught me that in the academy. What was one of the biggest gangs? What's one of the biggest gangs in the world? I'm like, I don't know. It's like policing. That's something that should never be taught in the academy. Because now wow. you're telling me I'm supposed to have a gang's mentality. mentality. I'm graduating Correct. with this mentality. Correct. Wow. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. I'm an OG now. I'm an OG now. Absolutely. And in I'm one of the powerful. Gang. I'm powerful, too, because we're all over the world. So that's what mm. we think. We're invincible. Right, because if you are if you are mm. in a gang, then that creates rivalry. You've got yep. a rival now. It's separation. Yeah. Exactly. And the rivalry is my is the community. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. So just think about that already being put in your head before you even get on the street. So that's that's another thing that is a a, a huge issue, the training, the training academy. So now you got officers that are afraid I'm not gonna speak out because they may kill me. In some of the big, like New York and L.A., they'll yeah, kill them. I've heard horror stories. Yeah. Then yeah. you have some that are not going to speak out because I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my livelihood. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't like uh, George Zimmerman killed poor uh, Trayvon Martin or, yeah, Trayvon Martin and ended up with $3 million people donating. Right. We lost everything. I lost my houses, my cars. Mm. When we moved to Atlanta, we was moving to Atlanta on a prayer. And Damn. it's deep because 22 years of service, that's a long time for me to serve and not have nothing to show for it. Yeah. So now we're starting all over again, and it's rough. It's very rough. And it's hard for me because I'm like, I'm not used to this. I worked so hard so that I wouldn't be a statistic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's rough. So you got officers saying, I didn't been here for a long. I don't want to lose my, my job. I don't want to lose my livelihood. I don't want to lose, you know. And then on top of that, you don't know how the community is going to support you. Yeah. You don't know. I, I wish Warrensville had stepped up and rallied around. And yeah, I got the calls and I got people saying this was wrong. But nobody, you have that mayor and he's still in place. Well, how was that? They, he fired your only African-American female officer. I don't care what they say about her, her uh, sick time. Go oh, look it up. Pull it up. Look at how many people have been written up. Every male in my department has been written up for sick time abuse. Do you hear me? Never been fired. First and only. That tells you something is wrong. Something's not right there. You all didn't do your due diligence, so we feel like the community is not going to support us. So we're like, okay, what do you do? Then you also have the black officers, honestly, that are cowards. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Yep. They cowards, and they are happy to be, if I'm in with the good old boy network, I got them, we're cool. And if you different, I'll talk about you to them, and I'll throw you under the other bus to them. But they'll never, they're never going to respect you and never going to trust you because they see how you do your own. Yeah. So you got a mixture of that going on. And most of the time, the people that do speak out are black women. Yeah, weak-ass black men. See, that, that's another thing. Like, I I keep getting these vibes, right? Like, weak black men is is, is like the downfall. It's, a, like, it's, it's a, the it's thing that's fucking us up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a problem. Yeah. And, and, and it's, black it's, women it's, have, to save, have to save the day far too it's often. It's embedded all in this entire mm-hmm. story. Like, it is. In, in your story, it's, it's embedded. Like, it's pockets of it. It's like, wow, you, you supporting somebody and then they do this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. That, and I had some black males that work with me that were like, I'm with you. I'm with you back Quietly. In Nobody the stood Which up. They, right. Yeah. We had a, when I went to the mayor and the chief and I, I wrote him a memo and said, hey, I'm, in, I'm feeling in fear for my life now. You know, not from my community, from the people mm. with inside of my department. What is this all about? So what the mayor said was, I'm going to set up a roundtable meeting like we used to do in back in the day when I played for the Chicago Bulls. And if me and, uh, well, me and Michael Jordan would have issues, we would have a roundtable discussion and you could say whatever you want to say. You say your bit. And I'm thinking to myself, we're about to have a roundtable discussion, and one of these officers said that they're going to put a bullet to the back of my head. You're going to sit me in the middle of these people, Mm. and I don't know. And when I tell you, they went in on me, calling me a disgrace. You know what kind of, how you you were disgraceful for putting that. I'm ashamed that I work for the city of Warrensville Heights because of the video. They went at me. And the mayor kept saying, we was going to get you. Oh, I was going to get you. I got some of the toughest legal team down here, but they said we couldn't, fight, we couldn't get you then. But we was going to get you. That was my warning letting me know it's coming. They just need to find a reason. This is what happened to a black, first and only African-American female officer. Holy and when shit. I tell you, 90% of our department was in there, even the black males, 
and maybe once said something like, how y'all gonna come at her like that? Wait a minute, hold up. When I was when I was offered to go meet President Barack Obama, my <sighs> chief tried to block that. What? He lied. He lied and said that I didn't call him. I had the and I had the phone records. I done pulled him up during deposition uh, arbitration. Like yes, I did. He never called me back. My mayor gave me permission, and my my chief act like he didn't know. He wouldn't even call me. So the next morning when I was due to work. The only thing I could do was call off because we all know if I didn't, and I would have went on to to uh, Washington. I think we were in Washington to uh, to sit down with President Barack Obama. It's on TV. The first thing they would have said mm-hmm. was, "She's a wall. A wall is immediate termination." I should have never had to go through that, and they blasted that because they were jealous. Who does she think she is going to sit with the president? They did you the same way they do all of us. They looked for any reason Correct. possible. Yep. The, the, the unfortunate thing is that these are black people. So, yep. The, the question Man. that comes to me is, through the threats from the, the roundtable discussion that feels like it was awful, did anything come of that? Was there an investigation? Was, there, was anyone fired? Like, did anything yeah, happen? I love you. You, you just, you look, <laughs> y'all good. So, um, during my arbitration hearing to get my job back, uh, the arbitrator asked my chief, did you do an investigation on the letters or the postcards that were written to uh, Nakia Jones. And my chief said, no, this is public record. But during my deposition, which was a lawsuit, he said, yes, we did an investigation. I thought it was her that wrote the letter to herself. I sent her handwriting sample down to BCI and it came back no inconclusive. It was not her. And then they went and sent it again a second time and it came back no, it was not her. He never investigated anybody else in my department, which made me wonder, did y'all really know who wrote those letters? Because when we were in this roundtable discussion, what he said was, whoever wrote these letters, if you come to me in the next week, I will not not investigate anybody. But if you don't, (laughs) but if you don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to file investigation. Number one, that was dereliction of duty because fuck? somebody threatened to put a bullet to the back of my head and you did nothing. What, what happened to the, the, the protection? Where was the fear and from my... <laughs> nothing. What was... Okay, let me investigate everybody within the office who could have potentially done this mm. and then let's make sure that we find out who it is. Mm-hmm. So I believe that my chief knew who did it. Yeah. And they were trying to save themselves from a lawsuit and different things like that. But I wonder how he sleeps at night. Yeah. Because he has two daughters. Two black daughters. Well, he's weak, though, too. That's, oh, wow. So we're leading down this path of a question. But knowing what you know and being from the inside and you've seen, you, you, you've seen the, the, the pits of what bad policing looks like and no support, there's this huge narrative and movement right now around defunding the police completely. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Um, and I know that that is such a big question because it's so many elements of, of safety and society mm-hmm. and, 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 and service and, and all that. But what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about, like, that and in the nature of just cities and in, in, in areas, if, if that were to happen. Number one, if you defund the police, you have to put those funds where they're needed. Right. As far as training, yep. you need to really do some community-oriented policing. Mm-hmm. You need to provide the community with a citizen review board, which means that you get people in your communities and everybody has to be represented, your age group, the younger age mm-hmm. group, the yep. orders, where they sit down and when you get ready to hire a law enforcement it, uh, police officer again, we have to sit down in front of you. You get to ask me the hard questions. What do you know about this, this community? Mm. Why do yeah. you want to work in this community? Have you ever been a part of a hate crime before? You get to ask those questions. And if an officer is brought up on any brutality charges, it comes in front of that citizen review board. So what happens is you all look at the case, you get the information. Of course, you all will have to be sworn not to say anything because you don't want stuff to get leaked out because you want the case to be handled right. right. But you all write up your recommendations to the mayor. Should this officer be fired? You understand? Give the community that that power back, but that should be part of the money. That the funding, if it's what you want to do, you need to get some real culture sensitivity in these police academies. Culture sensitivity is a joke. 
Yeah. It's a joke. It's really a joke. Um, I also think in, in, in doing the defunding the police, take some of that money and allocate it to, we all have to take polygraph tests. Ask those questions. Have you ever been part of a hate crime? Are you a part of the KKK? Are you racist? Have you ever worked with blacks before? You need to ask these questions and they should be able to weed people out because of those questions. And now you know, oh man, they're going to do this. I, they may find out who I am. You understand what I mean? So you want to make sure that you're allocating those funds right because if you just defund the police, all you're going to do is make things worse. That's what the problem is now, lack of training. Yeah. Think about it. Everything you see is lack of training. Everybody's doing everything differently. And I feel like we should all have a universal training around across the board. So if you leave Atlanta and you go to Ohio, you know the same way, the same rules that apply in Atlanta is going to apply there because you have so many places have so many different rules and people are confused like, Okay, do I do I put my hand? I mean, I don't know what the rules are. You have got to get a universal, period. And you also have got to do something with some funding, a part of that funding where you protect whistleblowers in the department, mm. period. If you start doing that, I can promise you, you're going to see a big change because officers won't be afraid to step up and say something. I think it's such a, it's such a yeah. shame, much like the, the whole conversation we had about Black Lives Matter and the fact that, the, that it even exists is a shame. Yep. The fact that you need to allocate money to protect people who say something was done wrong Absolutely. is a problem. I want, I want to ask mm. about, you, you brought up training. And I think in this country right now, we sit in this place where every one of us is a judge, right? We all form opinions. We, <laughs> we see a very small piece of yeah. the, the trial information. We see a clip of a video and we make assumptions. And and I'm just as guilty as, as is everyone else, right? Because I am an emotional person. I am tired of seeing people who look like me mistreated, murdered. But when we see those videos, and especially when you see them through, through your lens, a lens of an experienced police officer, 20 plus years of experience, how often is what we see so counter to the training that they've had? How often is it just a horrible miscarriage of justice procedure that ends with us dying. How often is that in these cases that we've seen lately? Um, I think it's often. Um, a lot of times when we get out the academy, the first thing my training officer says, forget everything you learned in the academy. Yeah. That's the first thing you know. Forget everything you learned in the academy. So now, all right, you got to learn how to do it the Warrensville way or the Cleveland way or the Atlanta way. So wow. now you're thrown in here. And if you don't have an excellent training officer, mm. you're in trouble. If my training officer is rogue and just do all kind of stuff, guess what you're doing? You're teaching me this new rookie That's how to behave. That's real life training day shit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wow. mean, it don't get that deep, but it may <laughs> in some departments, but you get to see, I mean, look what happened with George Floyd. No disrespect. You know that, that I think the two officers were new. Yeah. One of them was brand new. Yeah. He didn't even have the the culpability to say, hey, wait a minute, this man, oh, you you choking wait, this wait, man wait, to death. Yeah. Wait. Right, because right. when you're in that 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 position of a new officer, the first thing they tell you is you don't know nothing, you don't know SHIT, you don't say SHIT, you mm. just sit there and you learn. It's almost like hazing. Uh-huh. Many, many of us that go through, they haze us. What is the name of this street? I don't know. Get out the car and you can walk until you figure it out. Damn. What? When you should be training me on how to get in this community. You should be training me by dropping me off in these communities and let me go door to door and meet the people on the streets. You should be training me by letting me go meet the people in the corner store so they'll know my face and know who I am if yeah. they need help. You should Coming be training me by me yes. You should be training me by dropping me off at the school and making me walk through the building and meet these youth. That's how you should be training me, not training me by harassing me, saying, if you don't know the name of this street, get out the car. Or, uh, yeah, I like this rookie. You're going to do all the reports and, and reports, blah, blah, blah. Uh, pull that car over. Okay. When I pull it, I don't know. You pulled it over. You tell me. What? I've been there. That's crazy. I've had my training officer, who was my chief, tell me, pull that car over. And I said, all right. When I, I don't know. You tell me why you pulled the car over. You figure it out by the time you, you figure get to it the out. window. Wow. Which means all that's doing is telling me how to manipulate the system. Yeah. How to find things to pull you over for. Now, you, yeah. you're, you're going to, if you're not strong-willed and strong-minded, oh, you're going man. to teach what you were taught. Right. Wow. Right there. That's crazy. Can the relationship between the black community and the police force be repaired? Yes. How? What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, you're going to have to do some serious reform within the police departments. Mm-hmm. Some change. Big changes. 
but you're also going to have to do some changes within the community as well. Yeah. Um, I think, number one, the first thing that we should be trying to bring back, instead of saying, oh, we're trying to make everybody camaraderie, the first thing you have to do is, is you have to bring back mutual respect for both. Yeah. The, the police have to respect the community, and the community has to respect the police. And it's going to take a while for the trust to come, but when you respect somebody, that's when trust can come. Yeah. And until that happens, is we're going to keep going on. You've got to sit down. You've got to have these citizen review boards. You've got to have this community-oriented policing. You've got to get the police saw in a different light, which means that you got to see the good. So that when you do see the bad, you can say, no, I know all officers aren't like that. Right, He's right. messed up. But when you continuously see bad officer after bad officer after bad officer after bad officer, it's almost like, I don't believe it. Ain't no officer speaking up and you don't know why. So yeah. now you're like, they all in cahoots with it. So you have to have a balance. Yeah. And you also have to have... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. People in the community as well in law as law, law enforcement calling these people out. Yeah. I always say I'm not a good, good against good law enforcement. I love law enforcement. That was part of my life, and I know a lot of good cops, but I am against those thugs. And if you acting out of character and you wearing that badge and you were sworn to protect, you were sworn to uphold laws, and you're breaking them, and you think you're above the law, you are a thug. Period. Mm, say that. So that's how I feel. Yeah. So you got it, it, it. You have to bring that respect, that mutual respect. I remember when officers would get killed, you would have the community lining the streets all up and down the community yeah. saying, we love you and, and, you know, praying for the family. Now, people, F the police. I hope they die. You understand what I mean? You also yeah. had officers that if somebody prominent got killed in the, killed in the community, even, even it was gang members, we would go to the houses to give our condolences to the family to let them know you're not in this alone. We gonna find out who did this to your child. We understand that I got a child at home. Now it's almost like we don't. I ain't going to nobody's house. I mean, I'm doing what I. And then when you call and ask, hey, I got a question. A crime was committed against me. Then I get an attitude with you. But that's my job, mm. and I'm supposed to serve and protect you. You're at a vulnerable point in your life, and I'm treating you like crap. So what is your opinion gonna be of the police at this point? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's a lot of things yeah. that have to change, but the respect has to start first. I feel that. I feel that. So you've got a very capable and informed voice. You've got a microphone that reaches thousands and thousands of people. If you could use that same setup and you could speak for part one to officers only and for part two, the community only, the black community only, what messages would you give to both? Hmm. To my uh, law enforcement uh, family, especially the good officers right now, I would want to tell you all, stay in the fight. Stay prayerful. Stand on your integrity. Don't let others write your narrative, which means officers are not good. Don't let them write your narrative. It's time for you all to use your voices and start to band together. Um, I know it's a tough job. I know a lot of people don't understand that we have to make split-second decisions and the things that we see every day. A lot of officers are killing themselves after they retire because mm -hmm. they can't take it. We, the highest rate for officers to die is suicide. Wow. A lot of them, because we see some of the most unthinkable things. Um, stand on your integrity again, like I said, and res not only respect yourself, the way you respect your life and that you value your life, do that for the community as well. And that will be my, my thing to them. I salute them. I salute all good officers. I'm praying for them, and I'm going to continue to be their voice to, to bridge this gap. To the community, what I will say is don't turn into the same monsters that you see in those uniforms. Don't judge people by their uniform. Yes. Judge them by the contents of their character. Mm. If you see a law enforcement officer and they're out of line, I always advocate you all, you've got to complain. You've got to fill out the complaint forms. A lot of the African-American community, we feel like I'm not going to do it because nothing's going to change. Well, nothing's going to change if you keep doing the same things. You've got to put this stuff on paper so that when it comes down and now you can sit down with the mayor and say, he got 20 complaints and it's, why is he still a law enforcement officer? But if there's nothing there, he's going to say, well, this officer's never been written up before. Yeah. You have got to do that. The other thing is don't let your anger govern your emotions. Be smart. Let's vote. 
Get people in that's going to be your voice. Be the voice that you want to see. Make sure you're, I mean, hold your mayors accountable. Oh, hold your city council people accountable. Go into your uh, local law enforcement departments and find out, do you have community-oriented policing? Do you have a citizen review board? Get involved. Go to your city council meetings. Also, for the good community, start weeding out these bad apples. And I understand that a lot of y'all don't want to talk into law enforcement because you don't trust us. I get it. I totally get it. But if you find an officer that you can trust you all, lean on that officer. Praise that officer. Call the department and say, hey, officer such and such is amazing. Mm. Make that officer <laughs> feel worthy. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing that I would say to the community, you all, especially my black kings, I know I don't say the word nigga, but I'm going to say it now. You are not niggas. That word has a negative connotation and spirit behind it. Remember, the slave owners called you niggas. It can never be a term of endearment. Stop calling yourselves that. Call yourselves to whom you are. You are kings. Hold yourselves to a higher standard. And I feel like sometimes you all keep calling yourselves niggas because you don't want to step up. It's time to step mm. up now. It's time to step up. We got to start taking care of our own. Women, stop calling each other bitches. You're not bitches. It's not a term of endearment. I ain't never been no female dog in heat. Mm. What you are are queens. And the issue is you don't want to be step up to that standard and be a queen. So you continue to put yourself down. At this point, we need to step up to the plate. Um, for a lot of whites, that, that my thing is I don't believe that there's separate races. I believe that there's different nationalities. We're all one race. We're the human race, period. Until we all can look at that, until black lives matter to me, no life matters. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel. Every time a black life is taken senselessly at the hands of police or at the community, to me, it's supposed to affect us all. White, black, it doesn't make a difference because what I've always said was, number one, when I, 2006, I said, if we don't bridge this gap, you're going to end up with more African-Americans being killed at the hands of police, but you're also going to start having police officers being targeted. We yep. see it right now. We are here. We yep. see it right now. So right now it's, it's time. Now you want to do something about it, but it's here now. Yeah. It's here. So I'm just asking all of us to see, try to see both sides. Like I said, I, I form opinions as well. But it's an amazing person, the person that can see both sides of the story and yes. come up with a solution. And yeah. I'm trying to be that solution. Yeah, that I'm just that bridge. So I'm just asking for peace right now, you all. Um, stand, on, stand up for what you believe in. Um, Stand for what's right, bond together with like-minded people, and let's make a change. Police officers as well as the community. And that, I that love it. I love it. Yeah. Nakaya, we we can't thank you enough for Absolutely. your time, the dedication, for your sacrifice, honestly, because it's a sacrifice that I don't think many people would have made, but it was so needed. And I, I know that there was a struggle that came behind it. So I appreciate you and everything that you did. As we close out, I love it if you take just a second or so. Give the people your contact information. How can they follow you? How can they keep, an eye, keep, an, keep an eye <laughs> on what you're doing? Get the book. How can they do that? Um, you can follow me on uh, Facebook on the Real Officer Nakia Jones page. Um, again, like I told you, we do things every Wednesday, and it's so informative. I would love for you all to be a part of it as well. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you also can, my Nakia Jones page is full, y'all. So please don't go to that. Everybody tries to friend request me there. I can't accept any more friend requests on that one. Um, on IG, it's the Officer Nakia Jones Network. Um, we, we, we're, we're still, our voices being heard on there, there as well. And Voices of Vision, I, I mean, uh, podcast, I'm sorry, you guys, is another one. Um, if you guys get a chance to, if you guys can look at Nakai Jones Network on YouTube, mm -hmm. um, it's a police drama that I, I'm starting to write. It's called Shield of Silence. Okay. So um, it's, I, hopefully it will be able to depict us as African-Americans, not only in the bad light, but the good light of right. fathers trying to take care of their families. And, you know what I'm saying, mothers doing that. And, and the men that are in the communities that's really making a difference. I, I think it's time for us to change the narrative on what people think. So I really hope that, hey, Tyler, I'm shot, shooting you out, Tyler Perry, you know, uh, hey, listen, assistant. I write gospel plays too, but you, I think you should get on board with this. I'm tired of watching these reality shows. We need something to change the narrative about us. Amen, amen, yeah. amen. And you spell Nakaya N A K I K A I, right? Mm -mm. No, I, I fucked that up. You almost had it. K I A. Yep. I knew I had it. It was in there. It was in there. Yeah, you had it. It was there. Yep. Cool. Well, Wild Black, you know how we do. We love you. Peace. We out. We out. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.